never, ever take the good stuff in life for granted. With him being a fan of this particular franchise, never, ever take Brian Reynolds for granted. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins in the same place that you found this. Pirates 7, National 6. Kind of a hairy ending. Seems to be the norm of late for David Bednar. Putting people all over the bases, although there also were misplays all around him and and everything else. But he's also got this pretty significant knack for shutting it down when it needs to be shut down. And he did that with a strikeout and flyout to end it. Reynolds went 3-for-4 with a two-run homer. And he's now, he's now, before I even give you his numbers, he's now what you would have wanted him, would have expected him fairly to be when he signed that eight-year, $106.75 million extension earlier in the year. He has to be at least who you think he should be. Now, Within that context, here that he's batting 272, which is a high average in current baseball, the 332 on base percentage, 21 homers, 74 RBIs, 12 steals. And if you really want to wrap all that into a single statistic, his 805 OPS, that's on base plus slugging percentage, complete catch all offensive stat, his 805 OPS is fourth in all of Major League Baseball among left fielders. The only three who have a higher OPS are Juan Soto, Corbin Carroll, and the perpetual enigma that is Kyle Schwarber. But that's pretty good company to keep. That's where you want someone who's being paid like that to perform. And in fact although some might disagree with this, if he were to persist at this level, if he were to make himself a, a mainstay, an 800 OPS guy for the foreseeable future, I got to tell you, eight years and 106.75 million is a really good deal from the team perspective. Now, the problem with Reynolds, I can hear you, muttering this through gritted teeth is that he'll just fall off a cliff for a month at a time. And then the next month, and it's amazing. It's almost like it's based on the calendar. It's like when it becomes August 1, it's okay for him to start hitting again, or July 1. Have you noticed this? It's boom. But it does happen for worse and for better. Derek Shelton brought this up last night after the game. Yeah, I mean, Brian Brian gets in stretches where he gets in a really good spot. And, I mean, the hitting coach of me would be like in his setup. Just he gets locked in, he gets anchored into his legs, and when he gets there, man, he's on balance and it's hard to get him uh, It's hard to get him to chase. And I, th- I think we're seeing him there. We've seen him you know, go through stretches like this before, but it looks like just overall in his setup, you know, and I know it's something that Andy hammers on him with and, uh, you know, 
they spend a lot of time together because you know they work together in the wintertime too. So uh, I think you know he's gotten in a good spot, and that's probably the most important. Now I will point out, in the interest of fairness, as Shelton went out of his way to do, as you could hear it there, that the principal figure in Reynolds' professional batting life has been Andy Haynes. In fact, Reynolds thinks so much of Haynes that the two of them hooked up last winter and worked out in cages for months. Now, there are two things to like about this. One is that Haynes and or the team would have the understanding and the commitment to make sure that their best player is taken care of when it's most needed. But the other thing is the result. Because if I'm going to say Haynes never makes anybody better or it takes too long to get them out of a funk or a slump or whatever, I've also got to give credit whenever it does work out. Reynolds is not someone who ran to Altoona to get advice from John Nunnally the way Kibrian Hayes did. Reynolds believed in the guy in-house. And Reynolds has gotten the results that um, they don't make him happy, okay? You're going to have to trust me on that one. There's not much in the way of results that makes him happy. He has an extremely high bar for himself as a hitter. The version of Reynolds that you see when he's going the way he was last night and the way he's been for a while, he doesn't see any reason why that shouldn't be a constant He doesn't see any reason why he should just drop off for a while. He's not giving any less effort. He's not applying any less focus. It just happens. And usually when it does, and if I can get an answer from him, because he gets pretty down about this when it happens, it's almost always something related to timing. And as you heard from Shelton's detailed explanation there, the timing throws off other factors, including his foundation and whatever. Bottom line is after a six-month period, the Reynolds you want is the Reynolds you get. And that's, to a lot of people's credit, chiefly Reynolds, but also that of Haynes. When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street, from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Your front door. Your car. Your bike, your computer, your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Visit projectchildsafe.org. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. Today's J1Q comes from Biagio, who asks, Would you bring Rich Hill back to finish the season to eat a few innings? The obvious answer is no. 
but TBD doesn't seem to be working. Yeah, you're right. Of course, the TBD is lousy, and you're right and fair, I think, in pointing out that Hill is available now that he's cleared waivers, the Padres having released him, because I would bring Hill back under one condition. And that's that I would be taking seriously the idea of having him back in 2024. That's the only way that I'd do it. I know these TBDs are ugly. I've criticized them myself. I don't like seeing Colin Selby show up as somebody's starting pitcher. I think to an extent it's making a little bit of a mockery of the game. The opener thing, yeah, I can live with. There are circumstances in which it works, but using it as just as a vehicle, really, to hide the burden of starting the game from a presumably top prospect in Quinn Priester, which is all that happened, by the way, last night. That's all that was about. They wanted to get Priester another shot. They wanted to make sure that he didn't feel excessively pressured or whatever. So they used the opener guy, and Selby was lousy. Priester comes on. He looks wonderful for a couple innings, and then not so wonderful after that, which is what you get. He actually did show some velocity. To his credit, he actually got his pitches in between 94 and 96, which I'd been telling you guys all along he's capable of doing. They, the pitching staff meaning the coaches, Oscar Marine and so forth, have to emphasize it with him. They have to get him throwing. I can't believe I'm having to say this out loud, but they have to get him throwing fastballs so that he can feel more comfortable with throwing fastballs and commanding fastballs. Because if you can't do that, you can't start or relieve or anything in the majors. It's nuts that his development was so skewed that this hasn't already occurred. But look, a little bit of a a cap tip there because he did come out not only getting people out, but also throwing some fastballs and throwing them with some juice. Great. Keep that going. But that's going to be your priority here the rest of the way. That's going to be what you need to see. I don't get the impression from the Pirates, and I don't expect to get that impression today either when I'm back at the ballpark to cover the finale of this four-game series, that they're panicked over the amount of innings that they have to fill or that they're even panicked over the number of starts that they have to fill since they've only got two starters now and they don't really seem to care who's offended by it. But as it applies to Hill, an understanding that you're always going to need, I think anyway, and and and. Derek Shelton's acknowledged having a leaning toward this himself. You're always going to need a lefty of some kind. You're always going to want a lefty of some kind in your rotation. You want teams within a given series to not get too comfortable, not too set in their lineups. But if you don't think Hill is even a prayer to come back in 2024, and I'll remind that he'll be 44 years old, by then, and maybe you even like a little more what you've seen of Bailey Falter, who's a guy that I brought up extensively on yesterday's show. He's 26, and he's looking pretty good out there at times. 
then no. Why are you doing that? Two weeks left in a season. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Going to do another one of these tomorrow. 